The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 236 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. Since retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving. Our topic today is support for children and adults with autism. Autism is a disorder usually first recognized in early childhood and which lasts throughout the person's life. Autism's effects variously include problems talking with another person, never learning how to talk, having to do things like lining up pencils before paying attention, repeating the same sentence over and over, flapping arms to signal happiness or hurting themselves to signal signal unhappiness. Autism's cause isn't known despite lots of research. Autism has no cure, but support does help. Autism creates continuing challenges for family caregivers as well as the persons who live with it, which is why our topic today, support for children and adults with autism, is so important. Uh, to discuss it, our guests today are Anne Jovanovic and Lynn Thibodeau. Anne is an ardent supporter of autism advocacy groups and grassroots initiatives, and she's a vocal advocate for improved autism services. She posts daily to a Facebook page. She moderates for news in autism research, tips on living with autism, and her views on what it's like to raise a child with severe autism. She's happily married and family caregiver for her 11-year-old stepson and mother of her five-and-a-half-year-old severely autistic son. The family lives just outside Ottawa, Canada, in a rural farming community where all of the neighbours know the family and embrace the wonders and weirdness that living with autism can bring. Lynn is a mother, wife, and a family caregiver for a family member with autism. She's an advocate for persons with autism. She's a board-certified behavior analyst and a parent, co-founder, and executive and clinical director of the Spectrum Intervention Group. The Spectrum Intervention Group is a registered charity that delivers applied behavior analysis services to persons with autism aged 2 to 21. She's worked with persons with autism for over 16 years, supervising home-based and center-based programs, providing clinical supervision, staff, staff training, and consultative services. She's created, developed, and presented numerous training workshops to parents, 
agencies, school boards, and other professionals on various topics related to autism and applied behavior analysis. So welcome to the show, Anne and Lynn. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, going to start with Anne, first of all, please. Please tell us more about your life as a family caregiver for a family member with autism. Anne? Uh, Well, um, you summarized it quite nicely. I think if I had to describe it in a phrase, I would say controlled chaos is our our situation. Um, We have a very busy schedule with my stepson who is... uh, in a regular public high school, or sorry, public uh, elementary school still, thank goodness. Uh, and then uh, my son, who is currently in full-time early intervention uh, and moving into something that's sort of a half day of classroom format and a half day of early intervention. So we've got lots of moving around parts as well as the other activities that little kids have. So it's very busy, but then it also has to have lots and lots of routine in order to accommodate uh, my son's need for things to be somewhat similar every day. Um, so we call it controlled chaos. Uh, and um, so far, it seems to work for us. I'm not sure that others would necessarily find it as much fun. Thank you. Very clear. Lynn, please tell us more about your life as a family caregiver for a family member with autism. Sure. Um, my husband, Mark, and I are parents to two kids, uh, a uh, daughter Nicole, who's 20, and our son Jill, who has been diagnosed with autism, is now 18. And he was diagnosed at 21 months. And I guess what has worked best for our family is that I have become case manager, if you will, for all things Jill related in terms of his home and center based therapy, his school programs, and my husband is the one who primarily looks after house stuff. He does the laundry, he cooks, he uh, does the dishes, but I have always been in charge of Jill's programming. And we've had the benefit of some extended family support, um, both in the early days looking after our daughter and some financial support. And I guess in terms of managing things uh, for Jill, who would be on the more severe end of the spectrum, is we try to be as proactively as proactive as possible, and we think of any barriers or challenges he might have uh, participating activities, and we try to plan accordingly. So pretty much there's a chaos at our house as well, <laughs> controls, as Anne was saying, and I guess from the get-go, we've always thought nobody will care about our children as much as we do, so we feel we have to be responsible and proactive about uh, each of their care. Now, talking about being proactive, um, not only for yourselves, but also for others, I'd like to ask Anne and Lynn really the same question, but in different contexts. And please tell us about your work with Canadian autism advocacy groups and grassroots initiatives. Anne? Well, I, I, I would be remiss not to say that I'm, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants and Lynn is one of the giants. Um, Lynn uh, long ago started uh, what is one of the, the best uh, support groups for parents in Ontario, which is a Yahoo group uh, along with uh, one of her colleagues. Um, 
and uh, it gets around by word of mouth. It also gets around through some of the organizations, um, how to join, and that was one of the first things that I did when we got the diagnosis. Um, and it really was through that Yahoo group and through my first encounters with uh, centers that I met other parents and, uh, and started to become involved. I mean, obviously, I began advocating right away for my own son, but it became clear to me that some of the skills that I have as a public servant and as someone who uh, is a political scientist were not skills that other parents had, and it, I felt that I needed to use what I was good at to help the parents that were not necessarily you know, equipped to access systems, to understand how they work, to uh, navigate bureaucracies. And quickly, I met other parents who were like me. We called ourselves at the beginning the 1% of the 1%, 1% of the population being, you know, approximately uh, uh, the kids that are, um, that are diagnosed with autism. And we worked together to try and find and share information uh, to other people in the community uh, through my Facebook page, but also through email resources that we have available to us. Um, and that's kind of become part of our raison d'etre. We've done uh, quite a bit of that. Uh, and we've also tried to advocate with some of the, um, the provincial organizations because as in the states, uh, autism is very much, uh, you know, it depends on which province you're in, uh, how it's structured and how the services are delivered. Thanks. Lynn, same question, but it's about your work with the Spectrum Intervention Group. Please tell us about that. In uh, well, it's been goodness. It's been ten years now. Uh, my colleague Colleen Farrell and I started Spectrum in 2003. So it's a, a charity, and our mandate is to deliver services to uh, persons with autism. And we're currently working with kids ages two to 21. We have an amazing staff of approximately 20 people. It fluctuates a bit in the summer when we have increased uh, caseloads, um, and I'm the executive and clinical director of that. And it really started, um, I was doing some private consulting, and I was going around to people's basements, and I thought, hmm, in different houses, and I thought, wow, I think uh, we could all really benefit from a center-based approach. So we were the first center to open in Ottawa, and we're currently offering individual and group services, and everything's based on the principles of ABA. So we try to be responsive to the needs of the community when parents indicate a need. We try to fill it by creating um, programs. So, yeah, it's been about 10 years now. What I'm hearing from both of you is that within your lives, you form a team um, that provides the support and the navigation and the management of your lives and the lives of your loved ones. But you go further. You extend your skills, your enthusiasms, your experience to the wider community of families struggling with, living with, one needing help and support with autism. And so in that sense, you've extended your families to the broader community. Now, I know that's a bit philosophical, but just very quickly, you first, Anne, and then you, Lynn, just very quickly say, is that what I've just said to you fair and correct? 
I think that's definitely the case uh, for me. Um, many of the people and many of the other parents that I have uh, come to know uh, have become people that I speak to almost daily or at least email daily. Um, earlier this year, uh, I, along with some other parents, organized a, a survey that we designed and then ran online and uh, in order to get responses from parents across the province so that we could share the information that they were providing with our Auditor General who was uh, reviewing autism services. I was amazed at the responses I got, and I was also amazed at how many of those people were people that I knew that I had come to know over the last two years. Um, so, yeah, I do view them as a, a kind of an extended family at this point. Lynn? Yeah, I was just going to piggyback on what Anne was saying. So, um I really, initially, I kind of had to get my own shop in order in terms of making sure my son was looked after to make sure I had the resources to reach out and help others. But similar to Anne, I thought I had some skills to offer to the community, and I thought that perhaps my ability to access resources, understand what the needs of different kids might be, might be of help to others. And so I regularly, I really pride myself and and make an effort to be in touch with the parents of the community. Community. And, you know, I, I continue to be in touch with parents of kids similar of uh, similar ages to my own son just to um, have a uh, keep my finger on the pulse of what are some very real challenges being experienced by parents. So, yeah, I, I guess I thought, um, like Anne, perhaps I had something to offer the community in terms of understanding needs and advance things for the greater good of uh, people in the autism community. Thank you. Now, it's time to take a short break. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Anne Yovanovitch and Lynn Thibodeau. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Very rarely does our news media spotlight some of the good things that are happening in our world. For more of these good stories and the people that are creating them, Tune in to Bread for the Journey with Mariana Cacciatore. Whether these good acts stem from personal tragedy or just a desire to help out and make this a better world in which to live, you'll find inspiration in every week's program. Connect with those that are doing something great for a change. Listen for Bread for the Journey, Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now there's a new destination for video content, VoiceAmerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support surprise you streaming live the leader in internet talk radio voiceamerica.com you are listening to 
Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite, Anand Yovanovitch and Lynn Thibodeau. Our topic is support for children and adults with autism. Let's now talk about the challenges created by autism for children, for young adults and for adults generally and for their family caregivers. So starting with Anne, what are the challenges created for children and young adults? Anne? Uh, I think there's, a, there's one theme that, uh, that I would speak to and that is transitions. And I think that's true for both uh, children and, and young adults. I'll, I'll let Lynn talk about uh, adults more broadly seeing as she has that experience. Um, transitions for us is a huge issue in this province. Uh, we have a, a hodgepodge of services that are available for kids and young adults in um, having to do with autism services. But um, the problem is that it's very difficult for them to move from one stage of their life to the next one. Um, the, the, it, there's a lack of seamlessness across those, uh, those boundaries. So you end up with kids or young adults leaving high school that have very few options that are available for them in terms of what's next. And the same thing is true for the much younger children who are leaving early intervention and are struggling to get into a school program that actually will meet their needs. And in fact, uh, overwhelmingly, the, the, uh, the anecdotes are about kids who don't have adequate supports or are, where supports are completely non-existent for, um, for their kids. And parents are homeschooling, uh, as we are doing this year, um, or uh, putting them in private schools with, uh, with instructor therapy which is a very expensive option. I'm going to come back to this question of transitions in a moment, but I want to just ask Lynn what the challenges are that are created for adults with autism. Well, I guess I would summarize it best by saying I saw in a recent report the phrase complex needs in unprepared systems. And Anne is talking about transitions and the lack of seamlessness. And trust me, by the time kids are adults, uh, there is a real lack of services. And so I guess for my own son and his challenges, I always struggle at any stage in terms of ensuring that he has a high quality of life and that just because he has a disability that he's not precluded from having that. Um, I always try to think, even though he has a disability, he he can make a contribution to the community and um, not just him, of course, other uh, adults on the spectrum. I'm always concerned for him that he's not isolated. There are um, many, many adults on the spectrum. Uh, a recent study showed that 40% of them took part in only one social interaction or less, one social interaction per month, and, and that concerns me. So I don't want him to be isolated. Uh, I'm concerned for him in terms of where is he going to live, what, um, what will he do when he's done school at 21. So uh, there are many, many challenges presented uh, for adults. To go back to Anne, what are the challenges created for family caregivers of children and young adults in the transitions challenges particularly that you were talking about? Anne? Oh, uh, 
many are in our control chaos. I, I would say one of the biggest issues uh, is logistics, and it's uh, it's been surprising to me. I remember the first time we encountered it, uh, I was kind of uh, shocked about it. But then after a while, you become used to the fact that you keep going into these meetings or these assessments, and uh, all of your um, assessments are sort of scheduled according to bureaucrats' time and not according to uh, parents' schedules. <laughs> Um, logistics is very, very difficult. You have parents, often two-income families, everybody's working around the clock in order to be able to deal with the other issue, which is costs um, that are associated with having kids, particularly severely autistic kids. Um, and uh, and then you've got the challenge of trying to care for your kids at the same time. So you're running from work and trying to make sure that you can pick up people. And, yes, that's true for all parents that have uh, young kids, but it's even more so when your kids are doing center-based and then they're going part of the day to school and part of the day perhaps to a daycare that will support them uh, and then going to assessments. So you have all of these different directions that you're constantly running in, and that becomes really challenging, particularly if you have other uh, typical kids, other normal kids, uh, who also need your attention. Lynn, what are the challenges created for family caregivers um, of adults living with autism? Well, I, I think it's it, the reality is um, in many cases that you still need to find care for your adult children. So although, although our son is 18, if my husband and I want to have an evening out, we have to ensure either that our daughter is there uh, to care for him or that we pay somebody to be there for him. And so um, I recently went out with some other um, moms of uh, kids on the spectrum, and it was so challenging to find a date that everyone could have care. Um, what I hear, what I'm afraid of, and other parents are afraid of too in terms of the challenges is as our kids get older, it's what will happen when I die. Many parents of adult children are very worried about ongoing support and care for their kids. There, so there's lots of stress and worry for the future because of the lack of uh, services and what it costs to have your child, if you have a child that needs to be watched 24-7, how do you pay for that? And so we have many parents, adult parents, um, parents of adult children that are having to stay home and in essence babysit their kids, uh, adult children who are at home because there's a lack of services. And so uh, there's much Un the system is very much um, uncoordinated and quite limited. So some parents of very young children might feel right now there's very few services, but it only gets worse, unfortunately, as they become <laughs> adults. So um, there's ongoing stress for um, parents and family caregivers for these adult children, regardless of their level of functioning. To go back to Anne, um, you were talking about two-income families yeah. um, and the particular challenges that are created for them. Um, what that's also suggesting, uh, your answer anyway is suggesting, is that you as families have to pay for a lot of the services you uh, depend on. Mm -hmm. Anne, is that right? 
That's absolutely uh, correct. Uh, we do have in Ontario um, some public funding for uh, early intervention. We have another newer program uh, that Lynn can speak to as well about uh, ABA services that actually go all the way up to 18. Um, but those are relatively limited amount, uh, uh, services, and they also have wait lists. So often parents are challenged with whether or not they dip into their own savings, should they have any, or even go into debt in order to uh, deal with the problem that's directly in front of them and only getting worse as the days go by, or sit on wait lists hoping to get public uh, uh, resources at some later date and praying that uh, their son or daughter doesn't actually get worse, which is not likely to be the case. Um, so yes, there, there is a, a high cost for having um, a child with autism, any child with autism um, associated with, um, with their intervention, and that's ongoing, and it's... Uh, <laughs> It's, uh, it's what we learn to live with. Yeah. Lynn, I'm going back to what you said, and that is you pose the question not on, only on your own behalf but on behalf of others. What will happen to my child when I'm gone? Well, that was your message. And given what Anne's just been saying and you said, which is that money is important, that is to say the services that you're um, your child, adult, will need after you have gone, aren't, this is the implication, available adequately for you to feel assured about what will happen. So, Lynn, just please comment on what I've said and describe a little bit more about the way in which family caregivers such as you will deal with this question that you posed, what will happen to my child when I'm gone? Lynn? Well, I, I guess from the get-go, I've always known or thought that whatever my child needs, I'm going to have to create. Um, fortunately, I have the clinical skills to be able to do that, but the financial resources in order to make it happen is something else. And so, like Anne was talking about earlier, the financial gymnastics, if you will, that families have to go through. I mean, our family chose to be single income for a period of years, but we also, you know, you give up quality of life in other areas in terms of the home we had to live in, that kind of thing. But in terms of moving forward, um, for now, I, I try to create, I'm working with other people to create meaningful programs for adults so that they can have a productive life. Fortunately, there are um, more people that are banding together to talk about adult services, and together we really are stronger in terms of, uh, I'm always impressed when I meet with people and they have some amazing ideas, and these moms I talked about that I went out with recently, over a bottle of wine, we, <laughs> we came up with some great ideas. We share many common um, scenarios, situations, and challenges, and I loved hearing their ideas. And I think we have to look at alternative support models. So uh, how do we get our 
kids looked after but not have to pay for it. And um, so just looking at different models for employment and instead of paying a job coach, what kind of volunteer support or other um, employees perhaps could be taught to help monitor adults on the autism spectrum, for example, and and also how do parents get together to share housing um, challenges and pay for support. And so really it's been a matter of trying to network and it's it's starting. Um, We're trying to, more of us are trying to get together, but that's where we're at right now. Right. And a quick question for you. Um, some of the work that's going on is supported by, chal- by uh, charities or charities are being created to do the kind of things you've both been talking about, that is generating services through community efforts and not, and this sounds political, re- relying as much on the healthcare system to provide those services. And what, what's your feeling about that movement? Um, my feeling, my personal feeling, is that this is a good thing. I, I, uh, I think this has been um, overlooked for far too long. Um, when I first came into the autism community, when my son first got his diagnosis, I was surprised how little there was uh, in the private sector. Now, that's, that's really blossomed in Ottawa uh, lately in terms of the uh, intervention services that are available. But there is so much left to be done. Uh, some of the things that have been amazing to me to see happen, um, in another city in Ontario, for example, a, a parent really was the driver behind something called the Autism Assistance Program, which essentially uh, is using the volunteer, um, the volunteerism of students in, who are doing certificates in autism intervention to provide cheaper IBI services, that's the early intervention services, to parents who can't afford to do center-based programming. You know, that's, this guy came out of nowhere with this idea, and he's now trying to get other parents to implement the same thing in other cities. I think private initiative is something that we should, uh, we should harness and that we should look at as a complement to public services. Uh, yes, there's a lot that can be done to fix our public services in Ontario, but there's a heck of a lot, as Lynn was saying, that can be done simply by, you know, using good old-fashioned grit and getting down to the task at hand. For example, uh, a bunch of parents and I are organizing an informal soccer meet with, with kids between the ages of three and six. That doesn't require a whole lot of initiative, but it's something that they can do together. Uh, you know, parents can enjoy the time together as well, and we don't have to worry about the bill at the end of the day. Just right. need a soccer field. Now, talking about worrying about bills, we've got to take the break because this is where we pay our rent. So we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Natalie, and my guests are Anne Yovanovitch and Lynn Thibodeau. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Power River. Please stay with us. We will be back. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Many people are seeking to make a difference in the world, but few actually have the tools to do so. Every week, host Mary Beth Lodge and her guests will have you thinking forward and will give you the tips to keep your life 
goals, priorities, and choices on track. The result is an easier, happier, and more inspired life. The name of the program is What Matters. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What really matters is the positive changes that you'll bring to your life and the world just by listening. Come back to your senses. Imagine a radio show that will help you recover your common sense. Host Leah Brenda Smith is a health and wellness specialist who will explain techniques designed to help you recover from the stress of your life. It's all about how you respond to your thoughts. A little bit of self-awareness can go a long way in helping you to relax and enjoy your life. Tune in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio, live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Anne Jovanovich and Lynn Thibodeau. Our topic is support for children and adults with autism. So let's talk about the approaches to overcoming the challenges created by autism. Anne, you first... What, in your opinion, are the, are the most successful approaches to the challenges created for children and young adults living with autism? Um, I'm thinking, I'm not sure what your question is trying to get at, to be honest. I'm, I'm thinking you're talking in terms of uh, the therapy, and from a therapeutic standpoint, I mean, I, uh, I guess I can say I've drunk the lemonade, I'm, uh, I'm an ABA person, the bone, um, ABA being applied behavioral analysis. So, you know, I, and I think in, in Ontario, that's the only uh, therapy that is recognized by the government. And certainly in North America, that's viewed as uh, really the only empirically verified uh, approach to dealing with autism. So from a clinical standpoint, uh, that's viewed as the most successful approach uh, for, uh, for dealing with autism. Um, I would also say that uh, in terms of successful approaches for dealing with challenges, I'm a big believer as well in uh, something that Lynn said earlier, which is trying to not isolate your child. I mean, the funny thing is that there's this fallacy that kids and adults with autism want to be alone because they're so quiet or because they're different. Um, I'm amazed. I'm always amazed at the way my son responds when his brother's around, when we have other kids in the house that are playing quietly nearby and he can watch them. They need that kind of engagement, and so they really do need spaces that are available where they can find acceptance within a typical community. Right. Lynn, same question to you. Most successful approaches to the challenges created for adults living with autism, and please um, interpret the way um, Anne did the word approach. That is, it's anything that you identify as being successful. Lynn? Yes, and I wish I really had a clear answer for this. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure this out. Um, I guess I look at it, as, like I said earlier, I think together we are stronger. And so 
I, I really um, like to be connected to parents that are going through similar challenges. I'm focused on quality of life issues for not just the person with autism, but also the family as well and, and what they can manage. Uh, there's certainly a need for flexible and affordable programs. If you know one child or adult with autism, you know one child or adult with autism. I guess in terms of advocating for the person with autism, I always think, um, I, I like to tell parents, don't assume that just because a service isn't provided that that um, doesn't mean that it's not important. It just means that it's not currently provided. So we continue to uh, move forward in terms of um, focusing on kind of the end goal for both you know, whether you have uh, um, autism or not, I think quality of life is very important. And just to look at in terms of what do people with autism need in order to be um, have a high quality of life. And so uh, that's what I try to focus on moving forward. Right. And asking you now, it's the same difficult word, approaches, <laughs> to the challenges created for family family caregivers of children and young adults living with autism? Well, you see, that actually is much easier because unlike the first question where I have to guess what my nonverbal child actually considers to be effective, I know what I consider to be effective. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so I, I have an answer for that. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, I mentioned earlier networks. So networking with other parents is, has been huge for me uh, in terms of uh, providing me with motivation, with um, uh, support when I need it, uh, with advice when I need it. Um, I think that that, and that's both in terms of, you know, sort of email and Facebook support or the occasional tweet, uh, as well as face-to-face, you know, those uh, glasses of wine and cups of coffee are equally important. Uh, The other thing that I think has gone unsaid and that I think is huge uh, and that I'm a big advocate for is being informed and educated. And I mean not just about the system but about what autism is and isn't, uh, what the current uh, literature is saying. We uh, Many Ontario uh, parents of kids with autism get parent training as part of the processes that they have. They become involved in with the public services. But I, but I really actually mean you need to dig deeper than that. I think parents should make it uh, a priority to become that expert, to read, read, read. The bureaucrats that they will meet, the professionals that they will meet may have expertise, but they often forget to read the journals or they haven't read them in a couple of months. Um, it's our job to be the experts on our kids, and it's our job to know what's coming up and whether it's of interest to our kids' situation because every single kid is different and we need to position our child within that literature and see if there's any possibilities that it may be helpful. Right. Then, same question, same difficult word, approaches. Challenges created for family caregivers of adults living with autism. My approach is very similar to how Anne is talking. As I said earlier, I'm my child's case manager, and it's for um, part of his life, it became almost a full-time job <laughs> managing different appointments, doing research. And so when I meet with new parents, um, I was, uh, one of the key things is 
I tell them that you need to learn how to access resources. Uh, as Anne said, you have to know what those resources are, and then you have to figure out how you can access them. And so it's very important that you stay on top of things. It's don't rely on verbal information presented to you by other people. Do your research. When your kids are school age, learn what the Education Act is. Learn what different regulations apply. Um, I think, too, the, uh, a common message we've been stating is the need to be very proactive and don't wait for things to happen. Um, so to that extent, for myself, I've always found it very helpful to be very proactive and do a lot of networking. So Anne mentioned the email group I started in, uh, goodness, I think 1999. <laughs> and I, I just wanted the community to have a way to be connected immediately. So as soon as a child was diagnosed, that the parents had a way of connecting with other parents. So whether it's email lists or different parent groups or lobbying groups I've been involved in, just as Anne said, the need to stay informed and really become experts. And um, no one could know your child better than you. And so uh, value that and um, um, to use that information when you are advocating for your child. I guess... I take my job seriously, and I, I always think, okay, in five years, if I don't do X, am I going to feel guilty? So I kind of use that as a barometer in terms of what, what is required in this situation to help him move forward. So really this need to stay involved and be proactive and uh, be on top of things. Oh, I forgot something. Can I say it? Please. Sleep. We need sleep. <laughs> We forget all the time, but we all need sleep. And parents with kids with autism and adults with autism tend to forget that they need sleep. <laughs> yes, right. that's true. Now, I'm going to turn that round, that, that point round on both of you, starting with Anne. You see, what you're talking about is groups of people looking for information and sharing information. But there's another step which you probably are already taking and I'd like to discuss with you. And that is where you start to collect the information that arises out of your own experiences, pool it in some way so that in effect you are becoming researchers contributing to knowledge. And first of all, does that go on? And if it doesn't, should it go on? And if it is going on, how well is it going on? And it is going on. Um, it goes on, uh, I would put it as moderately well. I think we probably can always do better. Um, among the parents that I regularly interact with, aside from uh, reporting back to uh, different ministries, we, we regularly send in information that we have found about a particular theme. Let's say it happens to be... Um, current issues around weightless management, and we find that there's a, a shared experience that a whole bunch of parents have in a particular region, we'll actually do the digging and get the information from the parents on what they've experienced and find the rules and send it all as a nice little pretty package. So, uh, yes, we do use it as a, as a mechanism for advocating. We use our research skills because quite a few of the parents that are involved in, uh, in advocating are also researchers um, by training. Uh, right. depending on what their, their background is. Um, Lynn, sa but, same but we also compile information and? more generally in a drive and share that with everyone else. 
Okay. Sorry okay. to interrupt, but we're running a little bit short on time. And okay. so I just want Lynn to answer this question. What about this research effort? What, how, what do you think of it? Could, it? could it be done better? Lynn? Well, I, I think there are lots of different little pockets of information being translated. It is really tough to have a, um, a centralized point of access for all this information. In fact, some parents tell me they're overwhelmed because they don't know how to navigate the system. And it's hard. Uh, there are many, quote unquote, experts that have cropped up in terms of different autism services. So I think we can be doing it better, but it's way better than it was 16 years ago when I started when there was very little information. I think what I'd like to focus our efforts on is more of a centralized or coordinated uh, network effort. Right. Um, I'm going to just make a quick point, and that is that many, many of the episodes I've done on this show, and I ask family caregivers what their needs are, and the needs are information that they can trust, that they can understand, that they can find useful, and that knowing where to go and find it is important. So I think you've both reinforced that message. Now, again, it's time to take the break. This is Dr. Gordon Asley, and my guests are Anne Yovanovitch and Lynn Thibodeau. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels and CGMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We will be back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. Tune into Around the World in a Glass, presented by Sportsman's. We're a show all about wine, spirits, and other beverages. Your host, Kimber Stonehouse, is a professional expert and wine enthusiast. Each week, we'll focus on a different region of the world, discuss wines and other beverages, talk about some of the top restaurants in the region, and what to pair with which wine. Just listening could make you almost an expert. Around the World in a Glass is heard live every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Anne Jovanovic and Lynn Thibodeau. Our topic is support for children and adults with autism. Let's now talk about the things you would like to do and you would like to see done to improve ways for overcoming the challenges created by autism. And first off, you, what 
more would you like to do and see done? Um, always in this direction of improving ways for overcoming the challenges of autism. Well, um, one of the things I would like to see done, but that, I mean, I, I'm kind of uh, faking it because I am doing it, uh, is that I gave up on uh, trying to get my kid into grade one and decided that I would create my own grade one uh, for him as a transition program. Um, one of the things I would like to see is I would like to see more parents that are currently homeschooling their kids join us, much like uh, Lynn talked about when she started Spectrum. I feel that there's a huge gap between early intervention and our current school system. And so I'm hoping that with other parents that we can somehow fill that gap and create uh, a program that's not going to cost us an arm and a leg and that will benefit our children and actually allow them to develop the skills that they need to be in mainstream classrooms. Um, I also believe that from the standpoint of the scientific community, there's a huge uh, amount of work to be done on sharing the information about the research that's being done. We, we have tons of research happening at sick kids at other hospitals across Canada, um, but uh, it's very hard when you're not living in Toronto to find out. So it would be nice to have that information, like you were mentioning before about information, to have that information shared with the regional services, service providers and shared with parents so that they know what's actually happening uh, from the science side. Right. Lynn, what more would you like to do and see done to improve these ways, the, over, the ways for overcoming? Lynn? Well, I, of course, the list is long. Um, I recently attended a conference in Calgary for adults, talking about a vocational conference for adults on the spectrum. And it was very interesting to me in that it really focused on a um, change of attitude in terms of many parents of kids on the spectrum are very apologetic that, you know, should their adults get a job, that it's charity. And many of these employers were talking about, no, it's not charity. You need to see the tremendous value of your adult kids working for us. Often there's no safety concerns and they, their retention um, at different jobs was excellent. And so I'm happy to see we're, we're moving in the direction of more coordinated efforts. As someone who runs a charity, there, there's always, you know, it's hard to reinvent the wheel. It gets expensive, and it's um, if other places have done it in other communities, it would be helpful to hear about that. So this, work, this conference I went to, it was talking about what will it take and how to coordinate efforts more at the municipal, local, provincial, and national levels. And so I think those kind of discussions are very, very productive. Um, I like, I think we need to continue pushing for uh, services that are more flexible um, in, because, because what works for one family is not going to work for another. So uh, those are the kinds of things I think we need to keep moving in those directions. Okay. And... Um. I'd like to introduce this question in the following way. Let's suppose you're a politician standing for election as a politician who's going to do something about the various issues that you've both raised 
uh, in this episode. And um, you stand up and you're basically giving your message to family caregivers of the things that you would like to do or intend to do if they vote for you. So, Anne, what is your message for family caregivers caring for family members and living with autism? Anne? It's a two-parter. One is never give up. You should never give up on your kids. You should never give up on your good ideas. You should never give up on the goodwill of your fellow citizens. Those are um, That should be the mantra of any parent with a kid with autism. You never give up. Your kids can thrive. Uh, they can um, contribute to our society. Um, and the other would be, I suppose, a more concrete part, which is while parents should never give up, neither should our government. And part of that should be about funding families so that you can have those kinds of flexibility of services that uh, Lynn's talking about. And uh, in Ontario, currently, we have a, a real focus on uh, providing services through um, organizations. I would love to see the money come directly to families so that families can make uh, choices based on their individual needs. Right. Lynn, what's your message for family caregivers? Um, my message is... Uh, Remember, as Anne said earlier, sleep, also care for the caregiver, um, but also to, um, um, I, I think, keep, uh, have realistic expectations, be flexible, but yeah, don't, as Anne says, don't give up. Um, I'm really, really focused on quality of life and ensuring that that happens, and our current system doesn't really allow for that. So the need to continue to stay involved and advocate um, for your family and your person with autism. Thank you. Now, just to summarize back to you, in, in relation to things that I've heard before on this show, that is, these are you are reinforcing things that have been said before and you are being reinforced by those things. Um, information is one of them. Um, people, so to speak, come home with a diagnosis. They half hear what the physician is saying. Um, the interview is quite short. The consultation is quite short. They go home. And what they need is information that they can understand that means something to them and that lets them know what's confronting them. So that's the first thing they say. The second thing is they say, we felt so alone. And the work, the social type work, the group, the community work that you've both been talking about is therefore fundamental as a response to that kind of need and demand to feel that we're not the only people on this earth who are dealing with this problem and that leads to the third thing that they say is we want to feel that we can connect with others who are living the same lives experiencing the same challenges and doing the same things and that again is exactly what you've both been talking about um, and that's these are powerful things they lie within the communities um, they turn into a kind of community action uh, where the community gets a voice, a collective voice, and speaks to government with advice and is able to persuade and is able to produce evidence of need and ev evidence of need for change and this kind of thing. And therefore, there's progress. And so in that sense, 
you are the early researchers. You are the first people, your community, on site to understand what is actually going on, what is needed, and the way forward. Um, and the way forward does include my erstwhile profession, medicine. But medicine, necessary though it may be, is insufficient. The sufficiency is all these social connections, all this work of the kind that you're doing. Now, as far as the information goes, um, at some point later, I might like to get back to you to talk about how modern methods, including internet radio, can be used to do what I think you're saying needs to be done, that is get the information all together, get it into understandable form, even if it does come from scientists who fill the air with jargon, uh, get it translated into ordinary language and get it out there in such a way that people can read something that's meaningful to them and that helps them understand what it is they face and where the hope lies, because in the end, hope is the last thing that or the first thing that family caregivers talk about when they're dealing with conditions that for which medicine, healthcare, science can't offer a cure. We want to hope. And now all these actions that you do are matters of hope. So I want to say thank you, Anne. Thank you, Lynn, for all that you've shared with us, your insights, your advice. And I want to say strongly on behalf of everyone, every success to you in your work, I want to thank you, say thank you to our listeners. We'd like to hear your comments on this episode. And from our listeners, I'd like to hear about ideas for topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. Our next episode will be Doubling of Deaths Among Sick Moms-to-Be Highlights Medication Safety in Pregnancy. Please join us, same time, same spot on the internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 